Well, listen, today we want to get in the word. You know, we are living at the very, 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 very end of the church age. Jesus is coming very, very soon. I mean, very soon. To think, I mean, the next prophetic event that will happen on this planet is the rapture of the church, the catching away of the body of Christ on this earth. You are living at a time where you're about to go from faith to sight. And, and I gotta tell you, in my own life, I got really messed up in worship today. But anyway, messed up in a good way. Um, the Spirit of God on the inside of me, the Spirit of God that's upon me is just drawing me all day and all night to walk holy before him, to learn how to walk in honor to him, to honor his word, to honor the most precious thing in his life, and that is his people. God loves people. And as you learn how to walk in honor, it'll help you walk holy before him. Because guys, we're gonna see him soon. Do not get caught up in your natural life, right? Let all that go. I'm telling you, if you're, if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, fear, you know, panic attacks, all these emotional issues, listen, the root of them all is self-centeredness and selfishness. You know, people who fight depression will say over and over and over again, I just wish someone would love me, right? But that is not the language of somebody who's free. Somebody who's free is constantly saying, Lord, lead me to someone that I could love. And I'm full of being loved because of your love for me. So as I love others, I, I mean, I'm not expecting anything in return. There's no strings. I just love people. If you can get your eyes off yourself and onto Jesus, it changes everything. Depression, anxiety, fear, all these things will fall off of you because the enemy has no power. Oh, it feels so powerful, but it's not. Greater is he that's in you than anything that could come against you. Amen? So as your pastor, I love you so much. Do what you need to do. And you know, I know I'm speaking to the choir here. There's so many. What's so cool about our church is people are laying hold of things. But not everybody is. So this is why when you come to church, listen, your church needs you. You bring a supply. If you just come in and sit, and just, just you being here, you bring a supply of the Spirit that helps. He uses that to create an environment for him to move in our midst. Satan tries to divide, divide, divide. That's what he wants to do. He wants to get you alone so he can mess with you, mess with your mind. So get around believers. 
Saturate yourself. Be careful what you watch on TV. Be careful what you listen to. Don't get caught up in all that the enemy is doing in the earth. Right? Get caught up in all that God's doing in the earth because the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. And learning about just what the enemy's doing, although, you know, gosh, well, yeah, pastor, we can't be ignorant of these things. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God will get over to you everything, everything that you need to know about what the enemy's doing. So as you see things, you'll be prompted to look at something because he's trying to get some information over to you, but, but you spend not, not near the time there as you spend learning who you are in Christ, learning who, what he's given you, learning how, you know, how to operate, how you can do what he's called you to do, right? So many Christians are frustrated because they're just trying to figure out what to do. You know, here we go again, we're, we're in this political thing. And there's going to be so many Christians that are going to get so caught up because is it serious in our country? It's very serious. So what that means is I need to be very focused on what Jesus is doing and what he wants me to do as part of this, right? If you work in a bank, when they train you to, you know, so you could notice counterfeit money, they don't, they don't have you look at counterfeit money all day. They have you look at the real thing all day so that you know the counterfeit when, it's, when it comes. Man, I'm telling you, if you'll spend all your time looking at the word of God and building that in to your life and your spirit, renewing your mind with the word, you will see the enemy coming 800 miles away. And then when he leads you into a political arena or run for a school board or do something or do that, you'll do it effectively because you won't do it in your own strength. You won't do it in your own wisdom. You'll do it in the wisdom of God, right? Anyway, that's not, that doesn't count, okay, today as part of, part of this sermon. The last part of this that I want to say to you is a big part of you walking as a Christian is remove yourself from being anybody else's judge. Don't try, don't try to be anybody else's judge. Don't try to work out anybody else's salvation. You keep your eyes on Jesus and you keep judging yourself. You keep going to the Lord like this morning. Father, I'm coming to you today. It's such an honor to know you, to be your child. Lord Jesus, I thank you for giving me life. Now, Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you. I humble myself. I, I say this all the time. I humble myself under your mighty hand. You lead me. You guide me. My eyes are upon you. My ears open to you. Show me what I'm not seeing. Show me what I'm seeing wrong in my own life. Because I want my life to be what God wants it to be so that I can position myself to be light in this world, to help my brothers and sisters, to help those that don't know Christ, right? And there's a big segment of the church, guys, or I'm sorry, there's a big segment of people in the church that think they're saved and they're not. So we have to 
we have to show them the real love of God, right? Because self-deception is huge in the earth right now. And it's not going to diminish, it's going to get greater, right? This is all leading up. We are, or mankind is about to enter a seven-year tribulation period. The last three and a half years, which are a great tribulation period. There's going to be, I mean, the minute the church, or the second the church is out of here, you think there's been chaos? We haven't seen anything like what the people of this earth are going to see. Don't you want everybody you know that doesn't know God, don't you want them to go with you? Amen? Amen. Well, let's get into the word here. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 3. We've been talking about identity, but man, I just really have been stirred to spend a little time talking to you about laying hold of your inheritance. Do you know you've been given an inheritance in Christ? As a matter of fact, you've been given everything. That's how you started out as a Christian. God gave you everything. And now God wants you to know how to lay hold of all of it. Okay? So we're going to spend a little time talking about that. I really have it in my heart to spend a lot of time on the parable of the sower today. And if you'll notice, if you're around here, man, every, I mean, it, it comes around pretty often we talk about the parable of the sower. Why? Because if you don't understand that parable, you can't understand any of them, right? It, it literally reveals the mystery of the kingdom of God. It literally tells you how everything works in your life. How, literally how to lay hold of everything and what you have to guard against. So Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, look at what it says. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, when did this happen? In the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross, he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. How many spiritual blessings are you blessed with? All of them. Isn't that cool? Man, I mean, now, right there, you should be going, that's awesome. I have very little knowledge of what all of them are. So I need to gain knowledge of all of them so that I could lay hold of them, right? Because, see, God doesn't do anything. He's not wasteful, right? I mean, it's like when, when he tells them to fish after the resurrection and and he says, hey, throw your net on the other side. And, and all of a sudden, they catch a certain number of fish, right? It, it's, this number is very specific. It's like, okay, why is this number here? Well, the number adds up. The, the Hebrew language is a numeric language. Every letter has a number associated to it. And the number of fish that they caught literally spells in Hebrew, I am Elohim. In other words, Jesus goes, hey guys, I'm the resurrected Christ, but I just want you to know that, so throw your net out for a catch, and the catch, as they're counting the fish, they're going, oh my gosh, Jesus is telling us he's God. Nothing's wasteful. So all these spiritual blessings he's blessed you with, he didn't, he didn't bless you with them for you not to use them. Right? Does that make sense? 
So, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So, in the Greek, it would say all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies, right? This is talking about the spirit realm. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the spirit realm. Places, if you'll notice, you can't see it here, but if you had a King James Bible, places would be in italics. The reason why, when when a word's in italics in the King James Version, it means that the translators added that word to bring clarity to the text, okay? So it's not in the original manuscripts. So you could read this verse literally this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the spirit realm in Christ. They're all found in Christ. Thank God you and I are in Christ. So guess what? They are right there where you are. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And I would encourage you, these two scriptures, I would really encourage you to write out a confession and speak these over your life. Because see, every natural blessing comes from these spiritual blessings. In other words, God has given you the root that will produce the fruit naturally of every blessing you'll walk in in your life. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, According as his divine power hath, again, past tense, when did this happen? On the cross, in the, or we'll say it in the redemptive work of Jesus, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life. This is the Greek word zoe. It means the very essence of life that God has. You've been given, his divine power gave you all things that pertain to the quality of life that God has. So you didn't get part of the life of God. That's why Jesus said in John 10.10, I am come that they might have life, zoe, and have it more abundantly that, that literally, that Greek phrase is way too much. It's just super abundance. You have, it's, you're, you're, just, you're just literally dripping it all over the place. And that's what you're supposed to do, right? Just drip it all over everybody, right? It says here, he's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's given you all things that pertain to godliness. What is this Greek word godliness mean well i'm glad you asked it means he's given you all things so that you can reverence and respect and honor god this greek word show it literally means a reverence and a respect for god that is shown forth in your behavior of devotion and holiness god has given you everything to walk holy before him. To be devoted. He's given you everything to be devoted. Do you know it's not natural for a Christian to be just like, I don't really care. 
Do you, do you know the only reason why a child of God lives their life and has no desire for the word, no desire for the things of God? This is the only reason. It's because they're living out of their flesh. And that's why it only produces death. Right? Do you know brothers and sisters in Christ or have you ever walked this way where you just, you just couldn't seem to overcome something year after year after year and what it really is is you just are choosing, I just want to live in my flesh. I'm not willing to give up my friends. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm not willing to change. And a person can live their whole life in death and never know that they've been given this incredible gift. This word godliness also means it deals in the realm of your needs. So not only does it produce a reverence and an honor and a devotion and a respect for God that is shown forth in your behavior, but it also means that God has given you everything to meet all of your natural needs in this life. So do you have any need? You really don't. You may have a natural need in the natural realm, but guess what? You've been given all the spiritual root of all of it that will produce all the fruit so that you can walk need-free in life. Because why? Because you're a child of God, and God has a divine purpose and destiny for you. God wants you to walk out of purpose. He doesn't want you dealing with needs. Right? This is amazing. It's, but look at how it comes. It comes through the knowledge of him that has called us. What do you mean, pastor? I'm called? Yeah. What are you called to? Glory and virtue. That word virtue means excellence. Amen. Glory. You're called to glory. What does that mean? You're called to literally manifest the glory of God out of your life. How do you do that? Well, you know, when we study about grace, you're going to see if grace was a tree, guess what the fruit of that tree is? The outward fruit of, of grace. You know, the word grace, charis, the divine influence on the, on the heart and its reflection in the life. You know what that reflection is? Glory. The fruit of grace is glory. As you receive the grace of God, the finished work of Christ, God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. As you receive the grace of God, these, this inward strengthening with the very ability of God that will produce outward manifestations of his strength and his ability in your life. Just think about it. When you go to work or whatever you're doing in the earth, you are not to do it according to your ability. You're to take who you are and be one with Christ and operate in his wisdom, his ability, bring his presence on the scene, right? That's how we are to walk and live. This is the incredible inheritance that we have. So if we look at the definition of salvation, do you know the definition of salvation for many years growing up in the church in the denomination that I was in, I thought it meant you went to heaven, right? And it does. That's part of, that's part of your history, right? We know we're going to be in heaven for seven years, right? We're not going to be there for eternity. Guess what we're doing after that? We're coming back. But guess what? It's going to be a lot like in the millennial reign of Christ, kind of the way it's supposed to be now. See, we talk a lot about going to heaven 
But God's telling us, no, no, no. This is all about while we're here on the earth, we're to bring heaven to this earth. Because the kingdom's here, right? So the old definition, the Old Testament definition of salvation is Yeshua. It's, that's the Hebrew word. It means deliverance. It means victory. It means prosperity. It means help. It means health, vibrant health. It means welfare. Man, I'm so glad I'm on, I'm on welfare. I'm on God's welfare system. He is my source of supply. And it's limitless, right? His welfare system gets me focused on how I could be a storehouse to bless others. And this word Yeshua means wholeness. God wants you whole. If you're a Christian, you already are whole. And now, if you'll just yield to him and live and walk out of your spirit and commit your life to him, this is the decision of every human being. Show me a person who says, I'm a Christian, but their life is not committed to Christ, and I have to, I have to, I'm concerned about that. Because if I don't see any commitment to Christ, no willingness, they didn't Bible believe. They just said, yeah, I know Jesus is real and I don't want to go to hell, so yes, I'm a Christian. Well, time out, there's no conversion in that. The devils believe, but they're not committed. But the word believe means I believe it so strongly I'm willing to commit. It doesn't mean I believe it so strongly I'm willing to commit and I will never deviate from that. No, no, no. No, you're, we're, we're going to sin. That's why the, in 1 John 1, 9 it says, you know, if you, if you confess your sins, do you know in the literal Greek it literally says, if you continually confess your sins, and guess what? That was written to Christians. So it's not about, see, even spiritual maturity, it doesn't mean flawless. Now, can we be? Yeah, We've had everything provided for us. And as we learn to live and walk this way, man, we could walk free from sin. It doesn't have dominion over our lives. Right? But the very word for spiritual maturity, that Greek word literally perfect, it literally many times when it's talking about spiritual maturity, it literally means adjust and repair. Have you ever had to adjust and repair? Right? Philip and Emily are just kind of walking through life, madly in love with each other. They just have this great marriage. And then all of a sudden, Philip kind of gets in his flesh a little bit and says, brother, I know I'm a husband, man. I know, I know. Just bear with me. See, and, and the women all know they're perfect and they never mess up, right? So there we go. So anyway, I might still have a little water in my ears from... The loving church that loves me so much submerged me in water. I mean, come on, right? So, so Philip says something that he shouldn't have said. Have, have you husbands ever said something and you would give anything to just reach out and grab that word and, and just, you know, look at your wife and go, hey, honey, can we just pretend like I never said that? What are you doing? You're adjusting and repairing, right? You get off balance in life. Have you ever done that? Yes, you have. It's so, we're so busy, so distracted, that constantly in life, I'll get off balance in my life to where, 
to where I'm a little bit too busy with things that he doesn't want me doing. And what happens? He'll pull me back. Sometimes I get in a situation and I'm like, okay, Lord, I know you're prompting me to do certain things with you. And I'm looking at this schedule and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make both things work. So what do I do with that? So here, you got you to lead me. I don't know how to do this. No problem, right? So this New Testament, the New Testament definition is the Greek word soterier, right? It's S, I should spell it for you note takers, S-O-T-E-R-I-E-R. It means final and complete deliverance. Now I'm talking about your inheritance here. Final and complete deliverance from all of the curse of the law, including spiritual death. It literally means, so we know the curse of the law includes sickness, disease, weakness, poverty, bondage. It includes addictions. It includes physical death and spiritual death. It includes all that. So if you look at the Old Testament and New Testament definition of salvation and you put them together, the definition of salvation, which is what you have been given in Christ, is a state of complete wholeness. To be whole, spirit, soul, and body. To be whole in every area of your life. That is what God has provided for you. It means deliverance. It means preservation. It means material and temporal deliverance from danger and apprehension. Right? Do you know as a child of God, we could believe God that our kids will never be apprehended. Right? It means, here's a good one, it means pardon. You and I, we've been pardoned. Right? It means restoration. It means healing. Wow. And I believe that it's time for all of these things to be continually manifesting in our lives as the children of God. That's part of our witness, guys. You know, as you go out and witness, don't just witness with your mouth. Witness with your life and then use words if you need to. Right? So our inheritance in Christ, salvation, wholeness, peace, prosperity, healing, divine health. We must lay hold and take possession of what God has already given us. We have to lay hold. It just, although we, although we possess it, it, although we, we should say it this way, we own it, here is salvation. It's there, it's mine, I own it. How do I, how do I walk in it? I receive everything that God has given me. He gave me salvation by his grace. Now, in order to walk in it in the natural realm, through the hand of, through, through faith, I have to reach in and lay hold of my inheritance. And Satan is going to keep you, he's going to try to separate you from faith so that you cannot lay hold. Because we lay hold through faith what God has given us by his grace, everything. It's how you got saved and it's how you receive everything from the Lord. So simple. So what are we saying Everything 
has been given to you, everything is already in you. Your future's not in front of you, it's within you. As a child of God, you obtain your inheritance through faith. So now, let's look at this parable, the parable of the sower. Go to Mark chapter 4, and let's look at this parable because this parable reveals a lot of things. And I want to kind of take you into a, a moment of time with Jesus here. So I want you to just, just, it's just like Jesus is teaching this parable. So in Mark chapter 4, in verses 3 through 8, Jesus actually, he's speaking to a crowd of people and he tells the people the parable, okay? So then in verse 9, he says this, and he said unto them, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Right? So in other words, guys, I've said all this, I've told you this parable, now whoever has ears to hear, let him hear it. Okay? The whole parable is based on hearing the word of God. The whole parable. Okay? To lay hold of your inheritance, you must have a word from God. You have to. Otherwise, you can't lay hold of anything if you don't have a word from God. So that's why hearing, when you are reading your Bible, when you are listening to a message, when you're here in church, you should always come with a willingness to do what you're hearing. If you don't, you're just listening and you're going to forget everything. Okay? So this is real, real important. Verse 10, and when he was alone, so, so now... In the life of Jesus, Jesus preaches this message. At the end of it, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then what happens? The, the meeting closes down, and then he goes, and he's alone. And they that were about him with the 12, so now there's a whole bunch of people listening, and when he left the meeting, the 12 went with him because they're on his staff, so to speak, right? But there were also other people that heard this message and went, I, I, need, I need more clarity here. I need, to, I need to understand this. So they went with the 12. So in other words, having ears to hear, they didn't just leave the meeting and leave. They wanted more, Right? So, and when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked of him the parable. In other words, having ears to hear means you're going to do something after you hear it for the first time. If you want to have ears to hear, if you want to really just hit on all cylinders in this church and get out of me as a pastoral gift, I've been placed here what I say through, through my own personality and sometimes silly, silliness or whatever, but the gift inside of me is designed to do what? To equip you to go do the work of the ministry, to walk out God's plan for your life so that the body of Christ be equipped. So in other words, this is why I can never teach what I want to teach. I can't even say what I want to say in my flesh. 
I don't even want to say what I want to say in my flesh because there's no life in that, right? Why? Because there's an equipping. So what can you do? Man, the greatest thing you could do is go back and listen to the message again. Sit down with your Bible, right? Because you could shut me up. There's a, there's a button there. And when you're listening to a message, shut me up and you write the notes and you underline in your Bible. And then while you're doing that, the Lord will give you other scriptures. By the end of that, what happens? That message is no longer a message you heard from your pastor. Now that message becomes you, yours, right? So now, verse 11, and he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God unto you. Unto you who? The 12 and those who came back to, listen, to ask. Unto you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, without what? Remember, the whole parable is about hearing the words. Them that are without ears to hear. Okay, them that are without ears to hear, all these things are done in parables that seeing they may see and not perceive. In other words, they saw, but they didn't perceive. That means they didn't know and they didn't understand. And hearing they may hear and not understand. This word understand means they're not going to be able to put this together so that they comprehend it. That's why hearing the word one time is not enough. And what are we talking about? The parable of the sower? Now Jesus has elevated this from a parable to this is the mystery of the kingdom of God. Okay? It says, lest any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Boy, I'm telling you, having ears to hear, there's results for that, Right? See, God wants you and I to lay hold of everything from him. But have you noticed it, it doesn't just fall on you, right? See, as a wise father, he knows that it's going to take a total commitment on your part for you to lay hold. He knows that. Why? He knows it's going to take a total commitment of hearing the word on your part because he knows the enemy is coming and he's going to try to take this from you. Okay? That's why this Christian thing that's based in entertainment or all these little woo-woo little doctrine things that are, so, that are so, oh gosh, it's something new. Be careful with that stuff. All that stuff keeps coming around. It just has different names, but it's just, right? If it's not the word, it's not life right verse 13 and he said unto them know ye not this parable and how then will you know all parables why because if you don't have ears to hear you won't know any of them right verse 14 now he's going to explain they came and questioned him so now he's going to explain this verse 14 it says this the sower sows the word in other words, the word of God is likened unto a seed that is sown into the hearts of people. Okay? 
So keep that in mind. In Luke 8, 11, you don't have to turn there. This is the parable of the sower from Luke's account. He said this, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So we see that the sower is sowing the word of God, which is a seed, into the soil of a human heart. Okay? It's real interesting, and this is another reason. Why, why is it this way? Because God is no respecter of persons. The all-knowing God, think about this, who knew every human being, he knew who would accept him and live for him and commit their lives to him, and he knew all those that wouldn't. And yet he still, those that wouldn't, he still died for all of their sins. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he does for all. So right here, you could see the same thing. The sower sowed the same seed into every type of ground. Wow. I mean, think about that with God. He loves people so much, he sowed his word into ground that he knew would not produce anything. So don't look at where a person's at and, and say, you know what, I'm not going to deal with this person. They're just out there. There's no way they'd ever receive. No, no. You be led by the Spirit of God. And sometimes the Lord will have you sow something into somebody that you think wants nothing to do with this. And some of these people are going to come up to you in heaven and go, hey, you don't remember me, but I told you off or I acted like I didn't care. But man, you said this to me and that word finally bore fruit and I got saved and my life was changed and da, da, da. Right? We just have no idea. We also see that the seed, although it's the word of God, it's the ultimate quality of seed, it produced different results based on the soil. In other words, the, the harvest of the seed was not based on the quality of the seed. It was based on the soil that it was put into. Okay, we got to see this. In other words... The results are not dependent upon the seed. The results are dependent upon the soil. Okay? So we got it. We have to know that. That does away with this thing. Well, you know, if God wanted me healed, I'd just be healed. If God wanted me, if he really wanted me free, I'd just be free. You know, but you know, this is just my cross to bear. Be careful with that. Right? Because that's not Bible. The parable, this parable, is dealing with the condition of our hearts when we receive the word of God, right? Today and every day of your life, you are going to decide whether you're wayside ground, stony ground, thorny ground, or good ground. You choose, and Satan can't stop you from being good ground. That's good news. In other words, all of this is in your control. It's not in Satan's control. He's defeated. He just is loud. 
deceptive. He could make you feel right. He could create circumstances that could look like it could freak you out. But this is why when you get full of the word of God and you know who you are in Christ and you're meditating in the word, you could have all chaos going around you. He could be yelling and screaming and you're just in joy. You're like, yeah, yell and scream, you idiot. I already know. I have the victory. Right? In other words, the word of God in us is what produces the fruit. Now, that's a nice statement. But that is so powerful that I have to say it again. The word of God sown into your heart is what's going to produce the harvest in your life. Okay? That means don't put pressure on, on, on walking in health and healing and the blessings of God. Don't put that pressure on you. You put all that pressure on the word because it's the word that produces all of it. What is your focus? Your focus is being good soil. That's your focus. We have to be focused. See, why can't I work out anybody else's salvation? I've got to be focused on keeping myself where I need to be and be good ground, right? Now, does that mean I'm self-centered? No, 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 no. For me to be focused on where I am in God, it means I'm God-centered, because I'm looking at the word, it's a mirror. I'm constantly inspecting myself. I'm not inspecting my brothers and sisters, right? Verse 15, so now let's talk about this. Now we're going to get into the four grounds. And these are they by the wayside, wayside ground, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, when they have heard, look at what happens, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. I've heard you say that Satan has no access to my spirit. Well, let's look at the Greek word takes away. It literally means Satan comes immediately. In the Greek, it would read like this, and makes you doubt the word. In other words, how does Satan steal the word? Does he reach into your spirit? No, he has no access to my spirit. But he could create circumstances, get my eyes off the Lord, so that all of a sudden I look in the natural and go, well, there's just, I just don't believe that. There's no way. Right? He'll make you doubt. That's how he takes it away, the word that was sown in their heart. Let's look at Matthew's account of this, of wayside ground, you could stay here and mark. I'm just going to read it. They'll put it up on the screen. Matthew 13, verse 19. Let's see this from a different view. Matthew 13, 19, it says, When one hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not. Well, now, why, did they, why do people hear it and not understand it? Because they don't have ears to hear. Remember, we just read that. Okay. Then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. See, wayside ground represents people with no interest in God 
no interest in doing what God wants them to do, and they get no results. If you have been going in a circle in your life and you can't seem to break out of it, it's just because you're wayside ground. Don't beat yourself up for that because there's no condemnation in Christ. Make a decision to change. Okay? And this is why we're teaching this word to help you go, you know what? I've been wayside ground here. Here's the deal. You could be, like, here. Brother Hagen was good ground in relation to healing for years, but he was not good ground in relationship to prosperity. But God worked in his life and all of a sudden taught him how to become good ground in his financial life. And that's what happens. You could be good ground in one area and not good ground in another area, but this is why we present our bodies a living sacrifice, right? We renew and renovate our thinking with the word of God. Why? So that we can determine by experience that we could prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God's will, you're, see, what are we saying? You are God's garden. There we go. Torian, did you realize that? I mean, this is Mr. Garden right here, right? You, you are God's garden, right? We all are. And God wants to sow seeds to birth purpose and to birth new businesses and to birth new ministries. And all of these things give you ideas on how to reach people, right? I don't know about you. I'm in the process I'm, I'm literally going before the Lord. I want to write a letter that I'm going to send to all these people that I know that are not Christians. And I'm believing God that when they read it, there's going to be an anointing. They're going to sense the love of God because I've, I've been witnessing for years with some of these people. But listen, to think that the rapture of the church can't happen on this feast day coming up in a couple months, you're foolish. Now, will it? Well, I don't know. I know we're really close. But I want everybody, see, I want everybody I know, I don't want anybody to be sitting there going, why didn't Tony tell me? Why didn't he tell me? I'm lost forever now. I don't want that. Right? Why am I saying that? Guys, this is life and death. Wayside ground, you get no results. But if you keep listening and feeding and watering the word of God, Satan can never take it away from you because you will never doubt it. If you will feed and you, you, you have ears to hear and you feed and you water the word, how do you water it? You all brought your watering system today. It's an inch underneath your nose. You water the word. Father, I thank you that I am strong in you and in the power of your might. Father, I thank you that I have been redeemed from the curse of the law, which includes all sickness and disease. So, Father, I declare, as your word declares, I am healed, yes. right? By the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. I've been healed by his bruise. Right, what you just I keep watering this. In other words, from wayside ground, 
Satan is able to take the word that you and I neglect. So don't neglect the word. Church isn't something that happens from 8.45 to 10.30 or whatever, right? All right, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they've heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. They come to Faith Family Church, they hear a message and they're like, yes, this is it, right? They receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, This word root is moisture, moisture. In other words, they heard it, they got real happy about it, this is my answer. I've sat in church before. Have you ever gotten your answer? And you get your answer, but if you don't leave that service and water the word that you just heard, right? See, they stopped watering the word through teaching, They were unwilling to water the word through confessing it, speaking it, right? They have no root in themselves, and so they endure for a while, right? They endure for a time, but afterward, here comes the twins, the terrible twins, affliction and persecution, right? Notice it didn't say if. It says when affliction and persecution comes. Affliction. Let's talk about this twin, this evil twin. Affliction is when you encounter tests, trials, and pressure, which will produce an attitude in you that just says this is just too hard. I just can't, I just can't, I can't stand and believe. Why do you ever say this is too hard? Because you're not watering the word. That's the only, re- that's the only reason. Because remember, you don't produce the results, the seed does. So just water the seed and let the seed do what it does. Right? Because when you have moist ground because you're watering, guess what? When tests and trials and pressure comes, it doesn't affect you. Right? Or persecution. We know what persecution is, right? Have you ever told some of your family, go to a, go to a family reunion? Jeanette and I really don't even know what that is because we're both only children. But, you know, some of you guys have family reunions where there's like a million people. And you go there and go, you know what? I'm believing God. And they're like, Wow. There's that freak family member of ours, right? And they start persecuting you. Or you run into someone who doesn't believe that that God's provided something, and he's like, who do you think you are? Oh, you think you're one of these faith people that think you're so special, right? Persecution, persecution arises. Why does persecution and affliction arise? For the word's sake, not for you. Satan really doesn't care about you. He hates you. But what he wants to do to you as a Christian, he wants to separate you from faith. So how does he do that? He gets you to take your attention off the word. Stop watering the word. He knows if you're not watering the word, so these little demonic powers that are set against you, guess what they're doing? They're watching your countenance and they're watching. See, they can't read your mind. But they watch your countenance and they're listening to you. 
And if you're never speaking the word, they're just smiling. Oh, look at this person in denial. They think they're in faith. They're not in faith. You'll, they'll endure for a while, but now we're on the scene. Put a little, create a couple little pressure circumstances here, and they'll cave. Because why? Because they're weak? No, because they didn't, they're not weak. You are so strong on the inside, but if you don't water the word, the word can't produce. Okay? It says here, arises for the word's sake. What happens to a person who doesn't water the word? Immediately they are offended. So let's look at this word offended. It literally means to be entrapped, to be tripped up, and, and, it, and being offended means it will cause you to distrust who you should trust. Amen. Who's top of that list? God. You, do you realize a lot of people live their life and they don't perceive that God's their answer? They get a diagnosis and they hope it works out, but they don't perceive that God's their answer. They're facing some pressure in their life. They got a big thing coming up. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to do it in their own strength. It produces toil. It steals your health. It steals everything. Right? When a person gets offended in a church, why do they get offended? Because they were not watering the word. Right? The Bible says when you love God's word, nothing will offend you. So the mere fact that somebody gets mad at me or something that we're doing in this church, I can't listen to you. Why? Because you're offended. I can't listen to somebody who's not, who the word's not working in their life. They're in a wrong place. What do I do? I, I, I pray for them. Why? Because this is what happens to offended people. Offense grows and a root of bitterness will eventually grow if they stay there and they will stain others. It says they defile people. They, and that word defile means they permanently stain them. Right? We've had, we've had families in our church over the years. They get offended and I have this incredible relationship with their kids. They love me, they're little kids and they're just like, pastor. And then I run into them three years later. And the kids won't look at me. Why? Because they heard mommy and daddy talk about pastor around their table. And they permanently stained them. And we got to pray for these people because why? Those kids just started distrusting who God's going to want them to trust. And they may never get planted in a church. And these parents who love their children, who probably, if you were to talk to them and say, hey, why are you, why are you talking bad? They will tell you, oh, I, I'm not talking bad. They don't know, because see, here's another thing about offense. It's pride, so it blinds you. You actually think you're right, right? So we gotta be careful, stony ground. Notice Satan comes after the word for the purpose of separating you from your faith. Look at Luke's account real quick. Just He'll put it up on the screen. Luke chapter 8, verse 13 right? They on the rock are they, which when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, 
but in the time of temptation, they fall away. Right? Never forget Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes one way by the word of God. If Satan doesn't separate you from faith, see, if Satan, think about this, if Satan does not separate you from your faith, your marriage will be healed. Amen. Right? You will lay hold of the promise of God. You will walk out God's plan for your life. You will overcome any addiction, any depression, any anxiety, any fear. If he can't separate you from faith, you'll overcome. Isn't that good news? Wow. If he can't separate you from faith, you'll prosper. The watering of the seed is the only thing that causes you to withstand the pressure of the evil twins, affliction and persecution. Verse 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns. Wow, we got another one, Pastor? Are you kidding me? Such as hear the word, so they hear the word, but then look at what happens. Satan is not, he does not even have to mess with thorny ground. And thorny ground is a major ground in a Christian's life in 2023. Okay? Thorny ground. They hear the word, and then what happens? The cares of this world, they will get you to say this. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to help out in our church. I don't have time. And when you're saying that, then you're like, and I don't have time in my personal life to, to share the gospel. And I don't have time to believe God. The cares of this world will get you up to here. And when Satan knows the cares work, guess what he'll do? He'll keep trying to heap more and more cares on you. Right? He never stops. The only time he stops messing with a believer is when they go to heaven. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches... See, they get you to put your job, your career, or the things in your life before the word of God. The lusts or the desire of other things. Just the desire of other things. Man, the chiefs are playing. I can't come to church today. Right? Now, we laugh, but... Right? Oh, man, this is... You know, the Huskers are playing... Uh, so, you know, I, I got to watch whatever they call, what do they play? Do, the, do they actually play football at the college level? I'm hoping maybe this year they will. All right. So let's keep going. The, the desire for other things entering in, I'm an, I'm a Nebraska fan. Okay. I was, I was well-trained to be a Nebraska fan cause I was born in Chicago. I've been a Cubs fan since the sixties. That's brutal. That gets you ready for a few bad years of Nebraska football, right? I remember the first time in 1989 when the Cubs made the playoffs for the first time in my life. I called the guy in the stadium because I was in that industry and I'm like, hey, I've got to go to this game. I know they're going to lose, but I just want to say before I die that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Cub fan that saw them play in the playoffs. And Jeanette and I went to that game and they lost. The Cubs lost. Right? They lost. I'm so glad we didn't go a, a, a few days later. I, I was thinking I was maybe going to go to that game, but I didn't. And that's when that big earthquake happened in San Francisco during the game. 
I mean, the Cubs rocked the planet that they were in, right? We better go on. And the lust of other things, entering in, the desire for other things will choke the word so that it can't produce. Don't ever put anything above the word of God. Right? So here's the commentary. Here's the Tony's commentary, right, on this verse. The desire for the things of this world become greater than the desire to continue to give your attention to the word of God. Don't ever let that happen. This person is mixing everything in their life with the word. This person's not totally committed to God, right? If you're hearing wrong things, it's going to choke the word of God. This is talking about literally uh, your way of life. Be real careful what your way of life is. See, notice Satan's on vacation. He's not taking the word from these people, right? There are, why? Why does he not have to work? Well, there's no faith. There are, I'm sorry, there's no works, so faith is barren. See, faith only works when you add, when you work it out, when you release your faith. Faith without corresponding actions, dead. It can't produce anything. What are we saying with this ground? The attention that you give God's word will determine what you have. You gotta, boy, I'd write that down. The attention that I'm giving to God's word in my life is determining what I have in my life. So verse 20, everybody say, thank God for good ground, right? (laughs) And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. This word receive means they take the word up and they continue in it. That's good ground. That's the only thing. Is that hard? Nope. You take it and you continue in it. I want to encourage you today, wherever you are, if you have no desire for God, if you're sitting here going, Pastor, I wish you would finish. I am tired of all this. I just came to church, you know, but I really am not. What? That's okay. Just start reading the word and start speaking the word. Do that. Just keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. And it'll birth, it'll birth the hunger that is actually in you as a child of God. Because God's irresistible. The more you feed on him, the more you will hunger after him. Satan doesn't want you to know that. So such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. Now realize who's bringing forth the fruit. Read this correctly. They hear the word They receive it, and then now the word is able to bring forth fruit. The word of God. What is fruit? A healed marriage, a healed body, finances, your life changing in these different areas, fear being gone, depression gone, peace and joy reigning in your life. And and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100 Why different results? Well, guess what? Well, yeah, in this area, this is just 30-fold. No, 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 no. This, whether you're 30, 60, or 100-fold, you decide. So I know this is a hard question. How many of you would like to be 30-fold? 
Okay. How many would like to be 60-fold? Or would you rather be 100-fold? Okay. That, is that simple? Your attitude, your attitude towards the word will determine what, what you are. I'm just going to be 100-fold. I'm all in. Right? See, this is based on our attitude towards the word. So now jump down to verse 24 as we close this out. Verse 24, and he said unto them, take heed what you hear. Now this is the Greek word, the word what, was tra- the word translated what is the Greek word tis, T-I-S. It, would, it not only means take heed what you hear, it could be translated take heed who you hear. That's why you can't surround yourself with people that are just not walking with God. If if your close friends are not walking with the Lord, I could tell you you're not walking with the Lord. That's just the way it works, right? With what measure you meet, that's a little vague, it literally means what measure you measure, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. Gosh, it seems like there was a pastor talking about that during as he was receiving the offering today, right? He that has, verse 25, for he that has, has what? Ears to hear. To him shall be given. And he that has not ears to hear, from him shall be taken. Who's taking it? We learned Satan's taking it, Right? Satan takes how? By getting you to doubt the word. Even that which he has. So the first time you hear the word of God, the word is being planted. Every time after that that you hear it for the first time, it's watering it. Remember, you got, we want the word planted and we want the word to be continuously watered. Right? 1 Corinthians 3, 7, I love this verse. It says, so then neither is he that plants anything Neither is he that waters. Praise God. Thank you, thank you, Father. That means I'm nothing. Yeah, seriously, this is not about. See, if, if a pastor's about himself, run. Right. No, no. This is it, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. But what is something? But it's God that gives the increase. Right? That's the keep your eyes on Jesus. The person is never, ever, ever to be the focus. Never to be the focus. You know what? I I pastor this church, and I have so many people that love me. I mean, it's a wonderful environment. But I can tell you, it's never about me. It's always about him, right? The person is never to be the focus. Yeah, follow me as I follow Christ, but keep your focus on Jesus. So in other words, God is able to give increase to that which you keep first place in your life. See, the difference is our attitude and our diligence to the things of God. And here's the cool thing. Only you and I can control what type of ground we are. You choose it. Satan can't keep you from choosing it. You just simply choose it. Isn't that, good, isn't that good news? Good ground is ground that takes the word of God personally. This is God's love letter and instruction book to me. 
All other grounds, wayside, stony, and thorny ground, they didn't take the word personally. It's just something, right? So verse, jump down to verse 33 of Mark chapter 4. You guys are doing really good today. I want to I finish this a little bit. I, well, I'm not finishing. I, there's another place I wanted to go, but I, there's no way. Verse 33, And with many such parables spoke he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. I love that. You cannot go any further than what you have light in your life. Realize that. What you can possess that God has given you depends on how much light you have. And he wants to turn up the light in your life so that you can lay hold of everything he's given you. Revelation of God's word in your heart is light. You cannot possess more than you could hold. And God wants to teach you how to hold more, how to have more light, how to walk in these things so that you can experience all that God has for you. God has no bad plans for you at all. God is not, see right now, as God's looking at you right now, right where you are, every one of us, God is not mad at you. God looks at you and right now he's going, okay, you haven't grabbed hold of it maybe, but just start walking in this now. I will take you by the hand and I'll lead you into all of it. All you gotta do is just be willing and obedient and, and, and here's the kicker. And if you're not obedient, guess what? There's all, and you're always going to get mercy. And he's going to keep working on it. So how we walk that out as Christians, never give up on people. Right? Never give up on people. Man, when I look at somebody, all I see, I never see where they are. I see their potential. I see what God has placed in them and what the plans that God has and God can change your life man radically on the outside very fast amen, amen.